Welcome back to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. Today, we're going to be going back in time to experience the rivalry of the Gilded Age New York's new versus old money elite class. I thought about this topic because I've been seeing a ton of live performances recently, and I'm really enjoying getting back into theaters. And recently, I watched the Google Orchestra, which is an orchestra made up of my colleagues at Google in New York City, and it was so wonderful. I loved getting to hear the music, and the setting was so gorgeous. I was looking out over the Hudson River. I could see the Statue of Liberty. And I was thinking about how nowadays there are so many opportunities to enjoy live performances and everyone you know, can attend, but it wasn't always like that in New York. So let's dive into learning about how opera houses became the battlefield of New York society to assert their dominance. All right, so imagine yourself in late 1800s New York City. There are horse-drawn carriages, there are gas lamps on the street, and the city is very much still being built. At this time, there were two distinct groups of the elite upper class. There was old money and there was new money. And this used to be a topic of incessant conversation where the rich were judging each other about how they got rich. Um, so if you were old money, that means that you were part of an old family who could probably trace their lineage back to the original Dutch settlers, or you were from a new family with new money where you made your fortune in more recent years. There's really no better example of how the new money crowd was able to show that they were, in fact, going to be the future of New York um, than in the great opera house battle of old New York City. If you're a fan of the author Edith Wharton, who was like absolutely the queen of commentary on New York society, you'll most likely recognize a place called the Academy of Music from the opening scene of The Age of Innocence. The novel actually begins with this quote that I'd like to share with you. On a January evening of the early 70s, Christine Nelson was singing in Faust at the Academy of Music in New York. Though there was already talk of the erection in remote metropolitan distances above the 40s of a new opera house, which should compete in costliness and splendor with those of the great European capitals, the world of fashion was still content to reassemble every winter in the shabby red and gold boxes of the sociable old academy. Conservatives cherished it for being small and inconvenient thus keeping out the new people whom New York was beginning to dread and yet be drawn to. So you can see how this scene is really describing the tension between old and new money um, and how the nouveau rich were able to take their money and potentially go and play elsewhere. Before we jump into that and learn about where they settled above the 40s, as Edith Wharton said, let's first learn about the original Academy of Music. The Academy of Music served many purposes during its life, from being an opera to a meeting hall to a site for political rallies. When it first opened, the New York Times, in an 1854 article, described some of the modern amenities that it had, including the use of spring seats so that they fold up when they're not in use. But the article lamented that the horseshoe layout that the um, theater had, so you can imagine, you know, the seating kind of going in a semicircle, that it destroyed the view and a giraffe could not see around some of the corners is what they said. 
The article concluded that from an acoustical point of view, the Academy of Music is a triumph. In every other aspect, the Academy is a decided failure. So all of this to say that you probably wouldn't have had a great view of the performance, but you would have been able to hear it very beautifully. Um, But luckily, the patrons were not going to the Academy to see the performance, but rather they were going to be seen at the performance. So you might remember in the opening scene of The Age of Innocence that the performance really hardly mattered and the entire audience was totally focused on who was sitting in whose box and if they're exhibiting the proper form. So it's really a place to just go and be seen. But why did the new money crowd want to create their own opera house? Um, was it because they wanted to like actually see the performance and make a better structure? Um, and it's really because they wanted to create their own opera house since there was literally not enough room for them at the Academy of Music. All of the boxes were already owned and the likes of the Morgan family, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, they couldn't secure a space at the Academy of Music. So they decide, all right, we're going to get together. We need to create our own place to go and you know, see and be seen. Um, and the day that they actually, that the newly wealthy families that they banded together and they incorporated to fund their new opera house, the Academy announced, oh, oh, actually, uh, we have 26 new boxes that we're building. Uh, but they were too late to retain the new money families that they had disdained and not been so nice to. And so this is where what we know today, the Metropolitan Opera House, comes to be. So it opened up in 1883 on 39th Street. So it didn't quite end up being above the 40s, as um, Edith Wharton had predicted. But the Met had many happy years of performance. Um, There was a kind of not-so-good time between 1892 and 93. That season, they they had to restore the Opera House because there had been a fire. And from its opening, it really did become the premier opera house. The Academy of Music was a thing of the past. And the new money people, the new snobs, if you will, um, they were now the center of what was going on. They were actually pretty adaptable too. So as the needs of the public changed, the structure of the Metropolitan Opera House kept up with those needs. So if we fast forward to 1940, the owners were no longer those original wealthy families and instead a nonprofit was established to manage the theater going forward. The signs of the times you know, kind of continued with the conversion of privately held boxes becoming standard seating in what was called the Grand Tier. And then finally, in 1966, the Met moved to Lincoln Center, where it is today. And there's actually a whole drama with the building of Lincoln Center that we're not going to get into in this podcast episode, but based on the year 1966, you can probably guess that Robert Moses was involved, um, and it continues to operate there to this day, but you can expect an episode about Robert Moses to come out later in November, so if you're interested, be sure to check back for that one. So there you have it. That's the story of the battle of new and old money all centered around an opera house here in New York City. It seems to me that new money was the winner here, um, but it was certainly a slow process for them to establish themselves in New York City. 
If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Stories New and Old on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow me on Instagram to get teasers of the new episodes coming out. And you can check out my blog, alyssajcorey.com, for more history content. And if you're so inclined, please rate and review this episode. It helps me come up with new ideas, and it's a wonderful way to support this podcast. Thanks for listening to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.